0: Welcome, Blazers fans, to the Blazer Focus Podcast. I am Aaron Fentress, Blazers reporter for The Oregonian and Oregon Live. And I was at... That debacle, one of maybe a hundred people in the building watching that game Tuesday night, watching the Blazers lose to the lowly Bulls. Although the Bulls have won three of, uh, of the last four, so who knows? Maybe this is a surging team, and a month from now we'll look back and go, eh, it wasn't that bad of a loss. But as of right now, after coming off of that road trip and returning home two and two, three and three overall, you would expect the Blazers to take care of business against a team like the Chicago Bulls. They did not. So we're going to tackle all of that. And by we, I mean myself and mean Joe Freeman. I just nicknamed him. I bet he's never heard that before. Anyway, Joe and I have tackled this thing in many different ways. So let's get to that right now. Aaron Fentress, myself and Joe Freeman discussing All Things Blazers, stemming from that horrific loss on Tuesday night. Aaron Finch is here with Joe Freeman on this solemn Wednesday afternoon or morning. Excuse me, I keep getting the time wrong. Uh, But actually, don't panic too much. We'll get to that later. But I know you're bummed because the Blazers lost to Chicago. I'm a Bulls fan. But I did think the Bulls would get whacked last night. The fact that they won that game stunned me. I'm still amazed that the Blazers allowed that to happen. Up 20 in the second corner. Joe Freeman and I are going to examine the game and also some of the peripheral things going on with the Blazers. What's up with Nurkic? Should Stotts really be on the hot, hot seat? Can they ever fix this defense? Are they shooting too many threes and much more? But first, let's just take a big-picture look, Joe at what that loss means. Now, you've covered the NBA for a long time. We all know these things just happen. You get upset, et cetera, et cetera. But I think there's a little bit more to this because this team came off a tough road trip and they were up 20, and it's the rebuilding Bulls. What do you think of the loss?
1: I mean, I kind of go back and forth on, uh, you know, how much to make of it. It's like one of the oldest cliches uh, in basketball is the first home game after a, a long trip is really the last game of that trip um that said to be up 20 at home you know against a bad team an, an, a shorthanded team it's it's no there's no way to sugarcoat that that it was a bad loss and i don't want to get too far ahead of myself because i know you know we're going to talk about is this the end of the world and all that stuff uh <laughs> moving forward but you know there's kind of two ways to look at this from a, a macro perspective and a micro perspective and, and on the micro perspective There are several things, obviously, that are are plaguing this team right now. Defense, Yusuf Nurkic, we'll get into all that moving forward. But from a macro level, uh, man, we're seven games, (laughs) seven games into the season. I feel like I need to be Aaron Rodgers uh, of the Packers and just be like,
0: relax. Not even 10%, not even 10% through the season yet.
1: And like, look, man. As you've documented, and you'll get into in more detail, the Blazers have played one of the the more difficult schedules in the league. Certainly, of of the better teams, uh, and and we can look at the standings right now. There's, I, I mean, who who has great records in the West, and how far behind are the Blazers with their poor record? You know, the right. the Mavs are right there with them. The Nuggets are right there with them at three and four. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Lakers are the Lakers, and the Suns are are, are surprisingly in second place, but. All that said, there's still two games back of, of, of second place. So we're seven games in. Uh, I, I know that that was a, uh, a concerning loss, uh, certainly an inexplicable loss. But I'm just, uh, after all these years, I'm, I'm too early to panic. This team didn't get a training camp. Uh, I'm sure practices are hard to come by because there's a game every other night. They're breaking in two new starters in, in, in a different rotation. And so I, I'm going to give them a longer leash. I still think this team uh, is going to be good uh, by the end of the year. I've been underwhelmed so far, Um, but it's kind of the story of the league right now, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. I I think it was a bad loss. I don't think it's the end of the world. I think the problem is, especially with a lot of fans, is that they're – they're very anxious because of what happened last year. It was, a, it was a down year. Nerkers was out. Zach Collins was out. Hood was out. You had a nice little burst at the bubble, but then you got rolled by the Lakers. You made some off-season moves. They want to see some signs of 2019. They want to see some signs that give them hope that they could make a deep run in the playoffs. And right now, right now they're really not getting it. So when you come home and lose to the Chicago team, that I think the Bulls I, – I, I've said it before, I'm a Bulls fan. I go to that game every year with my son. Uh, Payton, who's uh, f- 14 now, he wears his McCollum jersey and sits there and talks trash for two hours. And I, and, I th- and I threatened to kick him out of the house and get to stepping, you know? And and so last night, the Bulls come back and win, and my I can't talk trash to my son. I was really bummed about that. But they, the fact that Portland Trailblazers fans know they own the Bulls in the last five or six years, to lose to them without Lowry marketing as well uh, shouldn't happen. Like, it just shouldn't, especially, here's the other thing, coming off of the road trip, you know, when I presented the fact that they had played play a tough schedule, you know, Lillard said, "Yeah, we played a tough schedule, but we're disappointed. We wanted to be four and two. Well, okay, if you want to be four and two with that tough schedule, then how do you not take care of the Bulls? Like that doesn't make any sense." So, so to me, there's red flags everywhere, but it's not time to panic.
1: Yeah, I, I agree a hundred percent. I everything's magnified this time of year. If the Blazers were were five and two. It, it would be, you, you know, too much praise. Right. Oh, my God, one. we're going to do it now. Right. What and so it's, if, if last night happened <laughs> on on March 3rd, I, it would have been, you know, a bad loss. That was a bad loss. But because, you know, it, it's where it's at. It was at home. They were up 20 and, and so on and so forth. And it's and it's so early in the year. I just think everything is, is more magnif- magnified now. Uh, I don't know. Do, do you... So, so, do you want to continue? Uh, we we kind of lost our our our, uh, our order there. Let me let me
0: ex- uh, let me expand on on uh, something I wrote about this week because I I do think I think it holds true even though last night was bad and that is this. Um, I wrote about this uh, f- coming off the road trip. So they went three and three, but I looked at the records and excuse me the schedules of every team that had a five hundred excuse me that was above five hundred. Sorry. And their combined uh, strength of schedule, the Blazers combined – excuse me, sorry, I'm going to start over. (laughs) The Blazers' strength of schedule in comparison to every team that had a winning record was way, way more difficult, like way strong. Like 22 and 14 were the combined records of the teams they faced with a 6-11 winning percentage, whereas teams like the Lakers, Clippers, uh, you know, even Philadelphia played – a group of teams that collectively were under 500 for the most part, right? So you had the toughest schedule, plus four games were on the road, plus you played uh, five teams that, well, four were playoff teams last year. One, the Warriors obviously were down last year, but we all know why they were without Clay and Curry. Curry was back. So that was a rough stretch. To go three and three was more than respectable. Then you come home to play a stretch of 10 of 12 at home, and those 12 teams came into the week with a collective win percentage of point four, three, four. So it's a much easier schedule. They only play three winning teams are coming into the week, Indiana, Atlanta, and the Knicks. I mean, if you can't handle those three teams at home, you have bigger issues. So to me, I felt like if they're legit and if they've really, you know, made strides defensively, we just haven't seen it yet because they played a bunch of really good teams on the road former MVPs, et cetera, et cetera, then show it during the stretch by winning nine of 12. I mean, to me that's realistic because they're going to be favorite in every game. I almost guarantee every betting line is going to have them favorite. They were a money line last night of minus five hundred, right? You had to bet five hundred to win hundred last night, and they lost. So they could still go nine and two the rest of the way. But for me, the major red flags is how do you not take care of business against a team like that if you think you're better than the three and three record you showed during that. Six game stretch against Utah, Houston, Lakers, Clippers, and twice against the Warriors. That doesn't make any sense to me. And then to hear Coach Stotts and Damian Lillard talk about a lack of effort—you know—that their effort went away and they got outworked—that's just like what? I mean, what are you talking about? How how do you? How how does that even happen? How at some point in the game do you, as Damian Lillard, look around and go, "We're not working hard," and start smacking some fools upside the head? (laughs) We can't lose. We. We can't lose to Kobe White and Zach Levine when we beat LeBron James and Anthony Davis. That doesn't make any sense. Let's go, and they couldn't do it. Like it, it just it was astonishing. And the whole game, I'm watching it, and my, the Bulls fan in me is like, "Ooh, they might win the game." And the Blazers writer in me is like, "What the hell are they doing? This doesn't make any sense." Like I want to. I had to change, I had two game stories going because I didn't know what the hell was going to happen after I started in the second half writing the Blazers win at home game story. So it was a very nerve wracking late game start. Anyway, I digress. So. My question for you is, given all the things I just said there, and again, you've covered the NBA longer than I have. You've been through these things like that. The effort part, what does that say to you about this team that they couldn't find the effort to clamp down on the Bulls?
1: Yeah, two things. One, I'd like to go back and rewatch the game, uh, and I wish I had, uh, had a chance to do that in more depth because I'd like to see who they were talking about. Uh, there was a couple – plays late where like an offensive rebound for the Bulls. I can't remember, I think Porter grabbed it or something. Yeah there's and there was three like,
0: guys three Blazers there and they just did yeah, it like this. And Porter yeah, went and right it, inside of them and got the ball. And I'm like, what what is that? And, well, and, exactly.
1: and, and it didn't end up costing them that possession. I, I think they ended up getting the ball and, and Lillard went down and hit a three or, or something like that. But it's like i I think that's emblematic of I I suppose what they're talking about. But I would like to see you know, in more detail, are they talking about Nurkic? Are they talking about, uh, coming to, I don't know. I, and I'm not saying they are, I would, I would like to look more closely to see who, who specifically looks like they're dogging it. Cause effort is very rarely a problem with a Terry coach, uh, Terry stops coach team uh, right. for all his critics and, and all that stuff. Uh, his teams play hard and the Blazers have, have played hard uh, overwhelmingly during his time here. Um, you know, again, this happens all the time in the league. It, it, first thing that comes to mind to me is uh, is the first game after Nate McMillan was fired, Greg Oden was waived, uh, three guys were traded, and the roster was blown up. Uh, it was in in Chicago, in which uh, Caleb Canalis coached a team of like eight dudes. <laughs> win and stomped the Bulls on the road. Like, this kind of stuff happens. And was when uh, the Bulls were
0: good, right, Derrick Rose? Yeah, yeah. No, was, that was pre-Rose. Were, that was pre-Rose, man.
1: Yeah. It was pre-Rose, but they were they were still a better than that team, trust yeah. me. That team went on to lose, I think, the final 13 games of the season or whatever. Uh, not a good team. So, uh, it, you know, it happens, I guess, is the point. It It, it is alarming because, uh, and we're going to get into this, and I, and I guess Niles is, uh, well, no, we'll save that, but... You know, I'm concerned about Nurkic and my rapid fire answer to him being an all star in our last video looks awful right now. And obviously the defense uh, has all kinds of red flags all over the place. I I just still go back to uh, this team has a lot of new faces and important new faces playing important roles and they haven't had enough time Uh, you know, to practice and and to get together and to build that chemistry. And, you know, we've come to just, I guess, uh, take it or, you know, expect that of a Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum led team, that they're going to have good chemistry, that they're going to figure it out. And right now they're in the process of of figuring (laughs) out both defensively. uh, Coaches are trying to figure out lineups and rotations. I think we all want to see Gary Trent play more than he is. You know, you know, Mello hasn't been efficient. Nurkic has been, you know, shaky. Um, Damian Lillard is, is deferred more than I would like him to defer, especially early in the game. And, I mean, we could go on down the list of, of the things that are kind of plaguing this team. Rodney Hood is injured. So there's a lot of little things, I guess, that are adding up to these to these larger, larger problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know, you know, one thing uh, that the modern NBA – relies on is obviously threes and Terry Stotts at any point of any time of any season says I want to shoot more threes I think we can both agree that they shot too many threes down the stretch <laughs> last night I don't was it like 13 16 or sixteen in the floor. Of their last and 12 oh, or 13 of their last 15 shots were threes. something crazy like uh, something like that stands out uh at, at And when you lose a close, close game like that, I don't know how you think about them, their their three and and their shot selection.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of crazy. First of all, that McMillan was fired when the bulls won 50 games, they did have Rose. So they were a much better team. And like you said, they went with a depleted team and whacked the bulls. Um, So, okay. the, The three point thing, I mean, I have a personal bias against it. I think it's gone way over the top. Like they shot 51 yesterday. To me, it's boring basketball watching two teams, go down the court, put two guys in the corner, run, pick and roll, either drive or kick it out to a three. Like it's just, I find that to be kind of boring for me. And maybe I'm just an old head as the youngsters would call me, but. Boy,
1: all the analytics people are just going to come at you.
0: But okay. But there's, a difference between, but there's a difference between mathematically it makes sense and whether it's fun to watch. Those are two different things, right? Um, so I get why people do it. I just think it's just boring after a while. But so their goal this year is to shoot more threes. That's their goal. And they shot well last time. they shot thirty eight point or thirty seven point eight percent. I think the leading shooting team in the league last year was thirty eight So the problem were, is
1: what they made their first four and they made eight in the first quarter, right so the they shot
0: well yeah, early. So it been, right so it, they you shoot hot and then you cool off later, which is i mean that happened with them they they played some team this year oh the the clippers shot like sixty percent in the first half from three. by the end of the game, they were down like forty or something like that. so yeah. So that's the question, though. Like, are you feeling it? So we're just going to keep shooting it. In the fourth quarter, you're like, yeah, we missed a bunch, but we're going to make him eventually. Let's just keep firing him. Or do you say, Kobe White can't guard McCullum or uh, Lillard. He's not a good defender. Like, that's one of the biggest things about the Bulls is their defense has not been very good over the years. And Kobe White's part of that problem. He can't guard McCollum or Lillard. Levine, oh, my God, he's one of the worst defensive guards in the league. Why are one of those two not taking – the ball to the basket and and trying to make something happen and draw a foul, which Lillard did get some fouls later, but they stopped said after the game. I'm fine with it because I thought we got good looks. However, when the score, when uh, Patrick Williams made the game 100, 100 with a floater. And from that point on, the Blazers had McCollum and Covington both missed two, three point shots each. Wow. They
1: missed two, I think also
0: and I'm talking about the last like few minutes that they miss. I think Dame actually made the only one they scored because they the scored the final, their final eight points. It was 100, 100. they scored their final eight points on five, three free throws, one coming off, uh, getting fouled on a three pointer and then a three point basket. Um, The Blazers, though, got, like, a 13-footer from Porter. They got that 20-footer from Patrick Williams. Kobe White got a 20-footer. They got to the line with Wendell Carter. Like, they were scoring in a more traditional fashion, taking the open shot regardless of what it was. And it was one point really late in the game, I think one of those two McCollum threes, where the the ball got loose, he got it, and he could have easily driven it closer. There there was, like, no one in front of him and gotten a short little 8, 10-footer, which we all know he just shoots those, like, layups. And he didn't. He just took the three. And he, ah, he bricked it. And to me, it's like when the game is that close and you're falling apart, take the easiest basket possible. He did not. And that was sort of their philosophy in that quarter. And it cost them because they shot three of 16.
1: Yeah. And, you know, if they shoot five of 16, we're, we're probably not talking about that right exactly. now. So it, yeah, but that, that's it, exactly. It,
0: the thing, And that's what Stotts was it, saying. I'll take yeah, it because I think we're going to make uh, it.
1: And I hear what Terry's saying, uh, you know, If we read, I think CJ's looks were pretty good. I think he was open. They were early in the shot clock, though. And I would like to see, you know, whatever the shot is, it is what it is, if it's a good look. But pass the ball around, you know,
0: get some ball and player movement. But but they don't care about that because they're not trying to get closer. If you have the open look with eight seconds into the play clock, shoot it. Because that means means you're going to get more possessions and more shots.
1: Right, but we're in a, you know, a tie game with, with crunch time in, in the right. fourth quarter, and I don't I don't care that they shot threes, and, and a, a three is a fine shot, especially for a team that includes Damian Lillard, C.J. McCollum, Robert Covington, uh, I mean, we can go on and on here, they have good shooters, I think Mello was on the court in crunch time too, so, but that doesn't mean, and, and, you know, going back to some of the early signs that I liked about this team was, they seemed to be unselfish, and guys would pass up open shots for a better shot, and Right. You know, maybe that could have happened last night in some of those situations. And I'm not uh, – again, uh, uh, C.J.'s shots were, were were pretty good shots. And Robert Covington, uh, you know, one of his was contested in the corner and, and maybe there could have been a better look there. But maybe if you just pass the ball around, you'll get a better look, which is sort of – I think we're agreeing in a different sort of way. I don't, I don't mind the threes. I don't think you need to shoot 13 or 15 or whatever it was to end a game. But Three if that's your 16. best shot <laughs> – no no. I mean oh. it was like something oh, like they took their last yeah, 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 yeah yeah it yeah. was like three after three after three yeah. after three after three, after three. And, and many of them to end the game were early in the clock and that's great for the majority of the game because that's how the Terry Stotts flow offense goes but that doesn't mean that you, you can't get a better shot late in the game so right. I, I mean I don't know I, I Yeah, I would like to see better
0: shots. And the Bulls actually went three of 12 from three in the fourth quarter. So they were trying to do the same thing, too, until the last four minutes. And then they were like, we can get nice little mid-range shots and make them. And that's how they built a 106-100 lead. And then, of course, Levine hits that deep three (laughs) to kind of put the game a little bit out of reach. They went out of reach, but gave them a nice little uh, two-possession lead. Anyway, uh, that's what they're going to do. I mean, they're going to shoot –
1: you know, sw- switching gears totally here, Aaron, is I I think what we've, we've learned <clears> more than anything through seven games is how badly this team needs use of Nurkic.
0: Right? So that, and that would mitigate what we're talking about, because if he's scoring inside more often at a high percentage, that maybe, you know, it reduces the number of threes, hopefully. <laughs> anyway, uh, no, you're, you're 100% right. So, he right now is averaging 9.4 points and 7.9 rebounds. His career with the Blazers is at he was at 15 and almost 10. So it's clearly not performing very well. He's not shooting very well, he's committing a ton of turnovers. Uh, about well, actually his turnovers per game are down, but that's because his minutes are down, but he's at two turnovers per 25 minutes which, you know, is not what you want from your big guy. Um, he's, he's missing shots that you're used to seeing him miss. They did try to give him a lot of touches last night. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he, he, he wasn't closing out, you know, against a six, nine Wendell Carter, you know what I mean? Uh, so he's clearly not where he needs to be. Now at the beginning of the season, he talked about needing to get into shape, et cetera. Uh, so maybe he's still working his way into shape. Maybe he's just trying to, you know, get his, his, uh, feel around the basket, a sharpen because they didn't have a training camp. He, he missed most of training camp and he missed uh, the first preseason game. So who knows? I mean, we can make a bunch of excuses for him, but if he's going to average nine and eight the rest of the year and you turn to Cantor who like lit up golden state for 24 and 12, but also got lit up because he doesn't play defense, yeah, yeah, yeah. then that's a huge hole of the center position that you're not counting on. Because as far as I'm concerned, and I think everyone who follows this team, they need Nurkic. To maybe not be an all-star I mean he's not he's not gonna make the all-star team there's too many big men in the west but to at least play like a guy who might receive some consideration right and that means being 19 and 10 which is which is within his grasp I mean he's been 17 and 10 why can't he be 17 and 10 again or 19 and 10 and be more consistent what say you on this subject
1: I I agree and you know when I look at him playing right now it it, I wonder how good a shape he's in, and 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 how close he is to to being in you know regular season shape. It's clear that he he entered uh, the season not in optimal shape. I wonder, you, you know, we took uh, maybe took for granted what we saw in the bubble from him when when he played so well so early. It's easy to forget that he, as much as anyone, certainly grew comfortable playing alongside Maurice Harkless and Al Kaminu. and he's getting used to new to completely new forwards obviously and I I wonder how much that's impacting him one thing that was different last night about what what we had seen at least in the last couple games was Dame going to him regularly and you can tell that for Dame and 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 he sees obviously the importance and we all know how important Dame and uh, thinks he is to the team rightfully so um Trying to get him touches and get him going, uh, which not only keeps him engaged, but keeps him engaged defensively and gets everything else going right. for this team. Um, and I, I, you got to have more out of him in every aspect. It, it kind of, you know, he's kind of going back to his laissez faire, throwing up soft shots at the rim. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm getting back to my dunk the basketball, Nurkic. Like, be a, be a beast down there. And he's the
0: biggest guy on the court.
1: And we're just for whatever reason uh, we're not seeing it. And and I don't I don't I would wonder what he would say about that. Uh, he's not always very enlightening about this sort of a thing. I think part of it was a layoff, and um, you know part of it's getting used to new personnel and and sort of that thing, and not getting as many touches as he'd like. But I, I like that Dame went to him as often as he did, and the Blazers played well during those stretches for the most part. Um, going back to your you know not shooting as many threes. He's a guy that not a lot of teams have an inside outside presence and just a beast down low. And, and man, the Blazers are going to need him to get back to, to being a beast. uh, If they're going to fulfill their promise.
0: He did have 12 points, 11 rebounds, six assists, but six of 15. And that's, you know, to me, that's the problem. He needs to be against a team like that without a legitimate interior presence who can body him i mean Wendell carter has some bulk to him he's 270 but he's 6 9 uh but he was 6 for 15 he should be 9 for 15 at worst 10 for 15 maybe in a game like that and then it's a different story uh late in the game but they they need to get that guy going you are listening to the blazer focus podcast we'll be right back after a short break Um, so let's shift now to defensive issues. I'm gonna switch it up on you. Sorry, uh, and I'm gonna go to this because every game, and I know you ignore this stuff more than I do. I tend to engage. <laughs> I tend to engage on Twitter a little bit because I just find it fascinating. But every game I'm seeing defense this, defensive defense that, and one of our you know mutual former. Actually, you never worked with Dwight, but someone who's covered the Blazers forever. I worked for Dwight. Did you?
1: Yeah.
0: At the Oregonian? Yeah, for maybe a year or two. Oh, yeah, back when – okay, back in the prep days. Yeah, okay. That's right. Um, Anyway, uh, you know, he asked thoughts after the uh, – Gold State game, sorry, and why they didn't blitz more on Curry. And fans are constantly talking about this. I mean, you know, the casual fan to guys who have their own podcasts and their own, you know – analytics sites and things like that. They're always talking about how Stotts won't blitz, Stotts won't blitz. Why Mm -hmm. won't you trap more? Why won't you show different coverages? Take the ball out of someone like Curry's uh, hand when he's that hot. And he Stotts wanted to do that at the beginning of the year. That was the plan. And they got lit up by Denver. (laughs) And now they've resorted back to the same old defensive strategies um what do you think about this issue for me who hasn't covered the team that long clearly this has been a complaint i remember guys complaining about it when i was on talking ball back in the day and i just didn't care because i was more worried about the ducks but <laughs> now that i'm covering this team i've been paying more attention to it and i've been actually going out and watching you know videos of other teams and how they they blitz teams and do things like that i don't know if you know the blazers are, are equipped to be great at that but um, what do you think about that whole situation? And is this a concern still with this team? I think you've got to be versatile
1: uh, with that. And I, I think he could be less stubborn than he is about that. Now, it's tough with Yusuf Nurkic because there was a couple plays, one one late in crunch time, Dame got screened and a guy, I can't remember who it is, who hit one of those mid-range jumpers you were talking about late in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and Nurkic can't get out there. He's not going to get out there and do anything uh, to, to that, at least not consistently. You know, and maybe if there's a Harry Giles Jr. or someone in there like that, or if, if Zach was healthy, uh, and man, boy, how badly could this team uh, use Zach, Zach Collins right now? Yeah. Um, but I think you need to have, you need to be equipped and have the ability to be able to do that uh, in stretches to at least, you know, slow a guy who's hot or, or throw him into a different look um, to, to kind of rattle him and get him out of his rhythm uh, Terry has always been very reluctant to do that, and a lot of it is is personnel driven, I, I think. Um, and and their defense, I still maintain, a lot of it gets back to the Mike tired uh, excuse for them, which is they didn't have a a camp to get ready, they didn't have practice time to implement stuff uh, uh, to the degree that they would like to, they didn't have a long enough preseason to test it out and iron out the kinks, and so. They had to work it out on the fly, and rather than continue to work it out on the fly, which they're still doing to a degree he's right. resorted to what the majority of the guys know and and, and I guess he thinks do does best. Um, I think you've got to be able to do more though you've got to be able to switch more you've got to be able to blitz more uh, just with how uh, ball and guard dominant the league is right now
0: you know I would say at least show it you know right, you don't right. have to do it 50 50. But you can show it, and and I—it's got to be the
1: threat. There has to be the threat of it,
0: and and at least you get them thinking. I don't know if that stops Curry. I mean, Curry's been lighting up the league for ten years now. I mean, if you just had the Blitz Curry to stop him from lighting you up, then he wouldn't have two MVPs and a scoring title and 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 multiple titles. Um, But you know, I I can see where yeah, it's frustrating as a fan to watch Curry obliterate what you're doing for sixty-two when he's got a a you know, mediocre supporting cast around him. Um so yeah, I mean I think there's validity in that complaint. However, this leads me to the next topic that I'm gonna move up the ladder on you because I think it's fascinating as well. Is that does any of this, you know, reluctance to change the defense or the fact that the offense has these ebbs and flows and can fall apart despite having Dame and CJ mean that Stotts is failing as a coach? We're seven games into the season. I know, but I know no, but this no, stuff but goes back further
1: but that's, than that. But go ahead. But this is a team that has has gone to the playoffs what eight years in a row?
0: Uh, since fourteen, right?
1: Yeah, eight, I, I think it's eight years in a row. It might be seven in a row. Seven. Uh, seven. Yeah. So two uh, two trips to the second round, a Western Conference Finals trip. Uh, I, I need. We need. What are the? Okay, so th- let's play counter argument here. People who are wanting. Terry Stotts to get fired. Who are you going to? get? What are you going to do? <laughs> you're seven games into the season. Your best player, your your MVP candidate, your franchise cornerstone. That would be the worst thing for Dame. He would be so angry, right? So okay, so you get rid of Terry. You, you jeopardize, you know, uh, Dame's happiness for what? What? What do right. you do then? Do Do you promote an assistant? Who are, is an assistant going to dramatically change with this team? You go get someone off the off their couch during a pandemic. Who do, who do you go get right now <laughs> that's going to do that? And you've had this whole thing that you've created over the years uh, of of this chemistry of this organization of a, a, a super or a, a, your cornerstone, your GM and your coach in lockstep. I think they are the longest tenured trio at each of those uh, their respective positions in the NBA. They've had overwhelming success, consistent success. They haven't won the the pinnacle, obviously. They've gotten to the Western Conference Finals, so they've gotten pretty close. And and we're seven games into the season with two new starters, with no training camp, basically, with no practice time. I'm not trying to make excuses because I don't care if who
0: comes <laughs> or not. It's ridiculous. It's, no, it's, I, it's a, a ridiculous argument right now. I, I'm not a big fire coach guy. All my life, I've, I always take the coach and GM side first and I'll argue forever until I run out of arguments. And I'm like, okay, you're right. You should be fired. Wait, wait, wait,
1: wait, wait. Do you <laughs> run out of
0: arguments? <laughs> Sometimes he wants once high, well. That would be breaking news. That should be the title of this video, right there. (laughs) Once a while, you reach in the bag, you're like, "Yeah, there's no more arrows." Like, damn. Um, (laughs) So, you know, I I, like so someone the other day on Twitter was saying how they've underachieved under Stas. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, in 14, they won the first playoff series in 14 years, right? Mm -hmm. Against Houston. Okay, then they lost to the Spurs. There's no way they're going to beat the Spurs. That's not under. I mean, that was overachieving. Then the next year they lost to Memphis, but Aldridge got hurt and they lost Wesley Matthews for the year. They were not the same team when they got to that playoff series as they were starting the season and during the season when they were looking like they might make a deep run, right? So that's not underachieving when your best player's hurt and your third best player is out for the season with an Achilles tear. So they lose Aldridge, and Vegas has them as over under 23 wins. Mm -hmm. And they made the playoffs. They went to the second round. Right. Now, the second round thing, I mean, the Clippers lost Paul and Griffin, but yeah, they did make the second round when they were picked to win less than 23 by many people, right? That's way overachieving. So then the next year was the year they lost to, so that was 16. So then who, who did they lose to in 17?
1: Man, I'm too old to scrape my memory. It wasn't that Golden wasn't State. New Orleans. That wasn't New Orleans. Was no, that's it?
0: 18. So 18 is the one Golden year. State. It was Golden State. It was Golden State. State, right? So 18 is the one year I'll say they under they uh, they underachieved, getting swept like that by the Pelicans as a three seed against a six seed. Although I maintained that entire spring, they were a seventh seed, masquerading as a three seed. They were only a three seed because Butler was out for min, uh, Minnesota. Kawhi was out for the Spurs. Rudy Gobert missed the first 27 games for Utah, and uh, Dirk, uh, uh, DeMarcus, I'm going to say Kirk Cousins, DeMarcus Cousins was lost for the year by the Pelicans. But anyway, so they shouldn't have got swept. That was an achievement, but then they come back the next year, and they made the West Finals, which to me was an overachievement. Granted, they got smoked by the Warriors, but everyone got smoked by the Warriors when they had Durant, although Durant missed that series, I think. Still, everyone got smoked by the Warriors during that stretch, except for LeBron. So the idea that he's Underachieved with this team to me is a joke. There's another thing, Blazer fans. Whenever I see Blazers fans talking about we should win a title, Dane Lillard, Dane Lillard, dude, this is not a championship team. Study your history. I challenge anyone listening to this to come on Twitter and tell me who this team resembles of the last 40 years of NBA champions. There's not one. There's nothing about this team that screens championship. If this team wins the championship going through the Clippers and the Lakers and then maybe beating Durant and Kyrie in the finals or Boston even, that would be phenomenal. Be one of the most major upsets in the history of the NBA. So stop thinking that Stotts needs to be fired because he can't get you to the finals when you don't have a finals roster. And stop thinking that OJ should be fired because he can't go out and get you Durant or LeBron. Because they're not coming here. If you don't have those types of players, you're not winning the title. So I think it's ridiculous. You're not going to do better than Stotts. There's not one coach out there that has a better track record than Stotts who's coming to Portland. And if you roll the dice on a young coach, they might come in and blitz more for you. But Guess what? They're going to have a bunch of other issues, and by a month into it, you're going to want them fired too. So I think, like, last night to me, last night they didn't lose because of Stotts. They lost because Dame shot horribly and Nurkic shot horribly. And the defense went to sleep in the second half, and that's not on stops. Rant over. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah, I just don't – I think that uh, we don't know who this team is yet. We're seven games into the season. I keep saying that, but it's – you know, if if you want to level your criticisms uh, and and judge Terry, do so – in, I mean, I don't, does the season still end in April? I don't know when this thing ends. At, now, at the midway
0: point. If there's 500 yeah. at the midway point, then you can, exa- I think you can examine it and say, what's going on here? It starts the problem. But I still don't think it's going to be starts. is going to be the problem. Like, look like, to me, where was Dame last night? Like, why didn't Dame say, give me the ball. We're not losing this damn game. That's what a superstar, superstar is supposed to do, right? He didn't do that against the Bulls. Curry did that the other night. Give me the damn ball and drop sixty two. So to and me, I think and actually that that touches on an interesting point because it's it's a dicey
1: line with that right now with this team because in some level they're still getting to know each other and and as in Dame's position like he I think he should have taken over down the stretch but also in the
0: fourth quarter I'm not talking about the first three quarters I'm talking yeah, about the yeah, fourth yeah. quarter when the Bulls got to within two with seven minutes to go Dame should have been like I'm about to drop twenty these last seven minutes because no one on that team can stop me
1: right it, you have to make the right basketball play though right you have to pass to an open teammate so
0: i'm not giving it to covington for clutch three when the guy's shooting what 18 percent from three or something like that that's what i'm saying
1: <laughs> okay fair but i mean covington had a good game up until the i mean he he played a, had a very good first half i thought and again you've got to build look if i'm dame I'm playing the long game here. I want Covington to be on my side. I want him to be in my corner when we get to April, when we get to May or whenever. I don't want him to think if he's open in the corner and I'm double teamed, then I'm not going to pass him the ball. This is one game. In whatever month, we're December now. I'm all messed up because usually we're in November now or
0: October. <laughs> we're in January, buddy. <laughs> See, there we go. See, it's not in December
1: anymore. Thank God 2020 is over though. Um, so again, it's it's that's why Dame is the best leader or among the best leaders and among the best players in the NBA. He knows his locker room and he gains the trust of his locker room better than, than anyone else. And so- maybe if this is undoubtedly if this is a different point in the season there might have been a different tactic there but again you're still getting to know guys guys are still getting to know the system and and i well i dame can't take dame can't take every shot in the fourth quarter
0: I, I i he can't take every shot but i'll get to know guys before the game first three quarters and after the game i'm not losing to the bulls at home <laughs> if I have something. To, if, I, if i if i if i'm if i'm arguably the best point guard in the game and an mvp candidate I'm not going out like that. But I mean, I'm just, I mean, I play NBA 2K. So, NBA 2K in that situation, Lillard's taking every shot. <laughs> and I'm going to change the sliders. I'm going to change the sliders so he makes every shot. But mm-hmm. it, you know, I'm, I'm not being overly critical of him. I'm not trying to be. I'm just saying, I'll, yeah, at some point, you have to say, I'm not la- allowing us to lose this game because we're not playing well in the fourth quarter. So, I would have liked to have seen him do that. And to me, that that's more him playing poorly is more why they lost than anything stocks did strategically. Um, and he's been playing great. I mean, shooting 48% from three uh, the last three games or something like that. So it's not like he's playing poorly overall, but I would have liked to see him take more control. Like he did actually in the last minute of the game. One more point I want to make too. And like you, you said, you say seven games in and you're hundred percent. Right. And, I, and I'm, and I've been like playing the, eh, it's no big deal for six games. I just still was alarmed by last night. And maybe because I know the Bulls so well, so I know how
1: you're mediocre
0: sure. they are. Um, to alarm me maybe more than some people, but listen to this real quick. And I think this is important moving forward. If we can just move this loss aside, 10 out of 12 at home, counting last night, I thought they'd win nine of the 12. They're going to be favored in all 12. Maybe this is just one of the three losses. Maybe they win nine in a row and then lose two. Who knows? You never know how it's going to go. But one thing that struck me when I looked at their defensive rating, which was 28th entering entering the week, is that they played, like, they played... the. They played three of the top six offensively rated teams in the league. And I mean, Lakers were third, Clippers fourth, Utah sixth, Houston 14th, and then Golden State was 19th. But of course, Curry went nuts. That is a rough stretch of teams to play in terms of their offense. Now, Philadelphia entering the week had had a defensive rating of 100 compared to the Blazers 115 or whatever it is. 100, they're leading the league in defensive rating. So you might think, wow, they're amazing defensively. Well, are they? The best team they played from an offensive rating standpoint was Washington at 11. Then they played the Knicks at 25, Cleveland at 29, Toronto at 28, Orlando at 16, and Charlotte twice at 24. So that's an imbalance of opponents in terms of their strength of offense. So to me, the Blazers are not as bad as 28. I think that's going to rise up. I think by the end of this 10-game stretch, 12-game stretch, excuse me, they're going to be in the teens. And the Sixers are not that great defensively. They're good, but they're not that great. They played a bunch of bad offenses. So I do believe it's going to balance out. And to what you said earlier, no training camp or not a real training camp, short in preseason, adding new guys. I do think things are going to start to gel mm-hmm. as they move forward and their stats are going to get better as they keep playing mediocre teams.
1: And when you look at the NBA landscape, Right now,
0: man, it is so much of a team. It's crazy. It is the incredible. Clippers lost by fifty one night to Dallas, and then Dallas went and got smoked at home by Charlotte.
1: Yeah, it, Blazers beat the uh, Warriors by twenty five, and then lost two nights yeah. later. Like it's this is what we're looking at in in twenty. Well, now twenty twenty one. It's it is it is a different. It's 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 some level a different game because of. The schedule and, uh, you know, playing teams twice in some level and teams not having as much time to prepare and, and so on and so forth. All the things we've talked about. But uh, again, we're seven games in. The Blazers have been, you know, OK to, to mediocre uh, to bad. It, it depends on the night. They have a win against the Lakers. Were people talking about firing yeah. Terry Stott after the win against the
0: Lakers? So, nope. <laughs> well, you know, probably because well. LeBron had twenty nine. Well and maybe you know Let's <laughs>
1: yeah. and so I I don't know. I mean the Jazz are 4 and 3. Pelicans are 4 and 3. Warriors are 4 and 3. Blazers are 3 and 4. Mavs are 3 and 4. Nuggets are 3 and 4. Like it's a whole bunch of mediocre there. Raptors are I 1 see. and
0: 5. Who the,
1: Ra- the Raptors,
0: right, right. And, right. Five. and I, I Miami Finals team 3 and 3. The Nets, right. Dur- Durant and the Kyrie 3 and 4. Bucks best record in the league last year 4 and 3. Perspective, right?
1: Right perspective, exactly. And I know that's hard as a fan, <laughs> especially <laughs> when there's been so much expectations and we've been talking this team up for so much uh, for, for so long. But you know, I still think this is a good team. I think when it's all said and done, they're going to be a good team. Uh, this is just all, all
0: part of the journey, man. I agree. Okay, one last thing. Would you trade? Man, I thought we were going to get out of here without this. No, I have. To, I, I thought I have we skipped to, over it. I, I, I have it was- to do this. Because I'm fascinated by this because for the first time in that I can remember a marquee major star has said they would welcome going to Portland. I guess the last one would be Pippen, but he was not an MVP or four-time scoring scoring champ like James Harden. Any package would include McCullum. Would you explore that if you're Portland?
1: I don't want James Harden on my team. If I have a choice. Dude. It's, just, it's just plain and simple.
0: Come on, I mean, I mean, it's, it's show, I just it's show business, not show friends. Well, I don't. But <laughs>
1: sure, but I, I think the the Houston experiment failed, right? And and
0: I mean, they made the West finals. They lost. They they failed. Who they lose to? They failed. That's the thing. They lost to the Durant and and uh, Curry Warriors. And they lost to the LeBron and AD Lakers. To me, that's not failing. To me, that's coming up it, against an impenetrable wall.
1: He embodies everything about 17 minutes ago, one of your rants. He embodies everything about the rant that you dislike.
0: He would do what do you mean? He would do what I'd want him to what I wanted Lillard to do. He would listen. It would be, be him, all threes. It would be all threes. No, it wouldn't. He gets to the rack. 70 threes. He gets to the rack. What are you talking about? He's the best magician in the NBA at getting to the rack. And and drawing fouls. He's phenomenal. Hey.
1: That's great. You can have him on your team. I don't want to watch him 82 games a year.
0: Oh, my God, dude. That that game the other night against Portland was watching a, an artist at work. He totally – with without Wall, without Cousins, he totally – with precision, he pulled out a scalpel and just sliced and diced Portland's defense. It was amazing, especially from the end zone angle, to watch him work like that was just phenomenal. You put James Harden on this team with Lillard – that makes Lillard better. I know fans out there are like, oh, they couldn't play together, blah, blah, blah. Harden led the league in scoring last year with West, Russell Westbrook taking one more shot per game. So he played with a, a high-end guard, a high-volume shooting guard, and allowed that guy to shoot more than him and led the team in assists. He, he would do the same with Dame. And the bottom line is those two would be – in most NBA games with competitive teams, when you're playing in a series, you are gonna have a lot of games that are going to come to the last five minutes. There is not, I'll say right now, there's not more than three teams in the league that in those last four or five minutes are beating Harden and Damian Lillard. Damian right Dame,
1: Dame can play with anybody in the
0: league. He would he would definitely. Well, I know he can play work. with anybody. I'm, I'm just, I'm but agreeing like, with but, you. But, every, but anybody, okay, I, no, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying, go yeah,
1: ahead. He yeah. would definitely make that work. Any any idea that those two guys can to play together is ludicrous. But, That's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, how many coaches has James, James Harden gotten fired? How many, I just...
0: He's I'm not. He's you. he's an MVP and led the league in scoring four straight years, and and he's led the league in assists. He is Look, better. than I, the I don't know him personally.
1: From what I hear, there's a lot of drama that surrounds him. Every this team needs an edge. It needs some drama.
0: Man, it's it not the kind of, kind of drama. It's not
1: the kind of drama any any team any team needs. Okay, so
0: okay, so th- I mean, this is this is the, this is a great example of the difference between our GM minds because me, I, I, if I'm Neil O'Shea and i have been trying to get a star here since I've been here, and I lost the only other all-star I've had in Aldridge who went to San Antonio, which turns out to be a mistake. He should have stayed here because maybe they would have become a contender. Could you imagine Dame, LaMarcus, and then McCollum? Because McCollum wasn't really a player mm-hmm. when uh, when Aldridge was here. And, and I have a chance to get a four-time scoring champ, an MVP who's unguardable, Who wants to come to Portland? I'm calling them up and I'm saying, Dame and Nurk stay. You can take any three guys on my roster and I'll give you picks. And then I backfill the roster from there because all this, here's something that bugs me. All this talk about we're 10 deep. We're 11 deep. No, if you're, if you're 11 deep, it's because you don't have eight guys you love. You should be playing 11 guys. You should, you should trade three and now you're down and add Harden and now you're to nine. That's what you want to be. Not, we got 11 dudes. Come on, get out of here. If they want Trent, Simons, Collins, McCollum, Covington, whatever, whatever it takes to bring Harden here. I do that in a nanosecond and the fans will cry for like a week because everyone loves CJ. And you know, I'm not, yeah. CJ's a great guy, great player, but he's not Harden. Everyone will cry for a week until they see Harden and Lillard lighten up the league, and then they'll be, like, buying James Harden jerseys and having their little kids wear beers and stuff.
1: I I think if the Blazers <laughs> traded for Harden, I don't think fan. I think that a, a large percentage of fans would celebrate it. I, I don't, yeah, but, I don't yeah, think that course. they would all be mad. I, I, I agree. I think that they would celebrate a star wanting to come here. I just think that there's uh, – there's a lot that goes into building a roster. And, uh, you know, a, a person like Neil O'Shea certainly knows James Harden well, would know whether or not it, w- it would be worth bringing him in. Uh, boy, I, you're just going to give up everybody on the roster for him, right? So you're going to have two guys.
0: And- no, you're not going to trade everybody. I'm saying they, they can only take three or four guys, depending on the three or four. But everyone on the roster is available except for Damon Nurkic. Take two, whatever three guys you want, maybe four, depending on the fourth. And then I'll backfill the rest and go from there because now I'm down to an eight or nine man rotation with Harden. And look, you win at the top. Like you don't win championships with an eight, nine, nine, ten guy. Of course, you win with the one, two, three. So you're elevating your one and two with with the one. It would be one of the greatest guard duos ever. Like I'm trying to think of a better offensive guard duo in the history league. Curry and Clay. That's it. I think of not. I mean, if I'm if I'm missing someone, let me know.
1: If we're playing Fantasy Island, like I'd rather have Draymond Green or I'd rather have Drew Holiday. Then Hart like, yes.
0: If you're keeping McCollum, I wouldn't trade McCollum for Hart for.
1: No, no, Green. no, no, no. I'm just talking about who, who I'm adding as a player. Again, well, it's 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 not that James isn't a fantastic player, and him and Dame wouldn't be a fantastic tandem. I just would rather go in a different direction if I'm building a team.
0: Okay, but okay, but here's the thing, Joe. And this is the conversation I keep having with, with some fans, too. They say, I'd rather do X. X doesn't exist. We don't even know that Y exists now. Well, he put them on the list, at least. <laughs> so you explore, The question was, do you explore it? So like, like Paul George, people are pissed on everything. Paul George. Of course you explore it. People are yeah. dumping on Paul George. Who are you going to get better than Paul George? I mean, right now, tell me this team wouldn't be better with Paul George instead of Covington and Jones. You well, see course, the limitations. Well,
1: George, yeah, I don't right. think people are doubting anybody with with I'm NBA just, knowledge is not disputing
0: that I'm just saying there's a pocket of fans out there who keep talking about no, I'd rather have and there is no other there aren't other options out there. They're limited. And the fact that this guy wants to come to Portland, you get them at any expense, and then you worry about the other stuff later. Right. <laughs> you worry about the other stuff later, man. That's that I mean to me that's just a no-brainer. So but who, I mean, who knows? Oh, she may have called Houston, said I'll give you McCullum and such and such, and Houston hung up the phone. That could be a thing too. But I'm just saying, if that deal is available in a millisecond, I'll cry, and I'll be sad, I'll give CJ a hug. You're if not I'm crying. No, I'm saying if not I'm hugging myself.
1: anybody in a pandemic. Oh
0: if I'm the DM, I'd be sad. I'd feel I drafted McCollum. He's a great guy. He and Lillard are boys, but they're never gonna win a title with those two as your best two players. It's never going to happen.
1: And you and, would have said last night that you would ticking. have said last night that the Bulls would have never beat the Blazers last night.
0: Well, no, I would I would have definitely not thought they would have won that game. But like you said, we all know those things happen in the NBA. But what doesn't happen is Teams winning the NBA title with two six foot two, six foot three guards who don't play great defense and are shoot force guards. So, I mean, that just never happened in history in the NBA. So, I don't believe it's going to happen with this team. They need another right. star. So, anyway, anything else? <laughs> you Got anything <laughs> I was, else? I was just going to let you keep going and lobbying for James Harden as long as you want. anyway. Um. Okay. So I think we've exhausted a lot for the through the first seven games. So last thing I'll ask you. We talked about ten of twelve at home. Now they're down to nine of twelve at home. The two uh, road games are excuse me, um, sorry, down to nine of eleven at home. The two road games are at Sacramento. What do you think they're going to do these next eleven games? Can they oh. still finish nine and three in this twelve game stretch after a loss?
1: Boy, let's see. We got Minnesota, Sacramento, Toronto, Sacramento, Indiana, Atlanta, San Antonio, Memphis, Memphis, New York, Oklahoma City, and then it's January twenty eighth. <laughs> oh i say what's how many games is it you said 11
0: 11 more are 0-1 i I, I i predicted or I, I said they should win 9 of 12 coming in
1: you gotta They've win seven, the first you one. gotta win seven or eight of those i'd say but more importantly you you need to look better you have to look mo- co- more cohesive you have to play better your defense needs to show improvement you need to lock down your uh rotation. You got to play Gary Trent more. You got to figure out that whole situation. You need to you need to figure it this should be a time where you get more practice time, no travel, and you should look better regardless of what the record is. Cuz nights like last night are going to happen. <laughs> nights against the Lakers are going to happen. Somewhere in between it balances itself out. And if you're a good team, you should win 7 to 8 of these next whatever 11 games. But yeah. I'm more concerned with how they look and how they play.
0: Okay, I, I agree with you on that point, but I do think wins are paramount because if you have a stretch of playing a bunch of weak teams, you're inevitably going to have a stretch where you're going to play some stronger teams. And in the Western Conference, if you're messing around with teams like Chicago and the Knicks and Memphis and stuff like that, at the end of the season, you're going to be a 7A seed have to play the Clippers or Lakers as opposed to being a 4 or 5 seed. That's why those, that's why those losses matter. McCollum even made that point last night. He's like, we can't be blowing 20-point leads at home against the Bulls. No offense to them, but these things are going to hurt us in the long run. So I agree with One you. Looking better is important, but they have to be able to take care of business against teams like this, or I'm not going to take them seriously.
1: And this does bring up an interesting point. Uh, under a normal circumstance, this long of a homestand would be immensely important because the Moda Center is such a, a, a decisive... Advantage for this team, but does that exist anymore? Does a home court advantage exist anymore? Do the Blazers win last night if they have twenty thousand fans in the building? Probably. Like, there's a difference there, and and I don't know that a home court advantage is. And I know that it's not.
0: Yeah, it's not not the same. You're right. You're right. It's not the same, but it is better to be home than travel. No question,
1: and especially from the practice standpoint and getting more work in and that sort of a thing. So, so no, no question there.
0: Okay, all right. We've gone. We've Gone deep, deep into this team for just seven games. Uh, I think we're done. You got anything else you, anything else you want to add? <laughs> I
1: don't think so. I mean, again,
0: I, I, we're seven games in,
1: man. Yeah. Enjoy the ride. Stay patient. Uh, maybe this team is like this. Maybe they're mediocre. I think they're better than this, and I think they will be better uh, when they figure a lot of their things out. But uh, two key things, no duh, defense, give me a break. It's got to be better than this. But Yusuf Nurkic, man, I think he right yeah. now is the biggest issue. They've got to, they've got to get him right. They've got to get him more touches. Uh, they need to get him bringing that defense, you know, anchoring that defense and bringing it all together. If he's like this all year, it's going to be a long year.
0: Agreed there you have it a lengthy breakdown with Joe Freeman the Blazers will be back at it Thursday night against the Minnesota Timberwolves they entered Wednesday at two and five if the Blazers lose this one then I don't even know what to say anymore I just I wouldn't even know what to say so I'm gonna call right now and say there's no way the Blazers lose this game Minnesota had lost five in a row entering Wednesday I think we'll come back with the next podcast with some positive talk Following a Blazers victory. Thanks for listening to the Blazer Focus podcast. Be sure to leave me a five star review, please. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.